Welcome to episode four of Fretzelmania, rebooking and reviewing the best and worst in pro wrestling. I am your host, Mr. Fretz. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the legendary JF. This podcast, Fretzelmania, F-R-E-T-Z-L-E Mania, is available on Stitcher, on Google Play, on Apple Podcasts, and here on Anchor.fm. Now, in light of recent events in wrestling, I'm going to be talking about All In. Now, we all know about All Elite Wrestling being funded by the Khan family. Khan! From the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, Cody Rhodes. I'm sorry, Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, you know, Hangman Page. All these people are your your co-vice presidents. Um... And it's really neat to see a true, now kind of a true alternative to the WWE, maybe something that can actually compete and, you know, not flake out after a 10-week Monday Night War TNA. Um, and before I go go into this, I'm just going to let you know here, I'm not overly familiar with a lot of indie wrestling. Um, Jay Bone from Smash This Podcast over on the... Ranting with Ant and Wrestle Addict Radio Network is is absolutely someone to listen to for that. I was on his um, YouTube live show just last night, just shooting the breeze and kind of getting introduced to him. I I've familiar with with his work in the you know the Ranting with Ant Patreon chat and the Kings of the Rings Patreon chat. I think he's in there too. Um, so there's there there's a cheap plug for him. Smash this podcast. Listen to him. Now, All In, I think, I imagine this this show is being a precursor to the announcement of eventually All Elite Wrestling because Cody and the Bucks, they wanted to put on an, an indie show in, a 10, in front of at least 10,000 people. And they were, I believe this was the Rosemont Horizon. I know it was in Chicago. So if this wasn't the Ro- <clears throat> the Rosemont, please correct me. And if I'm not mistaken, that is the home of WrestleMania 13. So this sold out in less than an hour. And it's just staggering. We haven't seen something like this, a non-WWE show in America with more than 10,000 people. That hasn't happened since WCW. Morning coffee, excuse me. Um, you know, Impact and ROH hasn't put in that many butts in seats. But it was finally good to see something outside of the WWE get, get the spotlight. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's awesome. We got, you know, WrestleMania weekend now has a whole bunch of, you know, it has your WrestleCon, it has... um GCW with Joey Janela's events and uh you know I think new I think New Japan is doing a cross promotion show with ROH that weekend uh awesome time to be a wrestling fan I can't wait for AEW to start because I already I already know some of their roster I mean you got Chris Jericho you got you got MJF I think is joined in there you got uh, Britt Baker, the wife of Adam Cole, Bebe, uh, 
you know, I don't have the roster here in front of me, but I, I, I know all the names because I've watched them in, in New Japan and WWE. Uh, I expect Kenny Omega to go there. Selfishly, I kind of hope he comes to WWE, but I would rather have him work work with his friends, especially since some of his friends who are in WWE, maybe they go to uh, All Elite, huh? So, I'm going to start off here um, with a shout-out. shout-out to uh, some people I know who are at this event, and that is, you know, the Rant with Ant crew, um, Nate the Effing Great, uh, from the Game Changer podcast, of which I'm going to be on on Monday, and <clears throat> Nate and I have our work cut out for us because we're reviewing Royal Rumble 1999. <sighs> I started taking notes last night, and I already got tired. Um, special shout out to um, John Ritland and the Durbinator, who just did this show recently on on their YouTube page, Real Honesty with John Ritland. Check him out too. This is going to be a show of shout-outs, by the way. So, Starting off here with the Zero Hour pre-show that was on... I believe it was on W... believe it was on WGN, uh, stationed in Chicago. I have WGN on my basic cable here, but there must be a different version of it because I couldn't find it. So, the Elite opened up the show putting over the 11,263 strong, which I've already mentioned, include Good Brothers, the Rant with Ant crew, you know, Ant, Phil, G-Rod, and the Game Changer, the effing great. So jealous, guys. And they put over the budget, and they're just like, did we pay the pyro, pyro guy? In Ron Howard voice, they did. And they begin to shill some merch before bringing out you know, oh, we got to bring out a random legend here. It's going to have Pyro, a random legend. And who else but Chicago's own Road Warrior Animal coming out on a chopper, revving it up, getting a bunch of LOD chants, and just some nostalgia right there. And the LOD were just a, a top team when, I'm, when I was a kid, and I was devastated when Hawk passed away. Starting off this pre-show, we have SoCal Uncensored, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpio Sky against the Briscoe Brothers. SoCal come out dressed up as Rocky Balbo and Apollo Creed. Go for the ribs. Don't let those bastards breathe. You know, they come to the ring and they cut a promo about Chicago being the worst town they've ever been in and still got cheered. But they do that everywhere. However, I did not know that at the time. I didn't know Kazarian was still wrestling, actually. Jay and Mark Briscoe, no relation to Jack and Jerry, and spelled differently, come out to a surprising amount of booze. I used to watch Ring of Honor on Fox at about, was it midnight on Saturday night? I'd finish watching the Leafs game on Hockey Night in Canada watch part of the late game, which is usually Calgary or Edmonton. And then surfing the channels. Oh, wait, Ring of Honor's on Fox at like midnight. I'd always watch it. And Briscoe's were always featured as a top team. They were mega over. They were huge faces. However, due to the fact that 
most Sunday mornings I'm working at 7.30. I'm not watching TV at midnight. I'm trying to fall asleep. Now, the Briscoes, their heat was never surprising. And SCU, because of their, excuse me, worst town ever shtick, seems to work as heels, but they kind of get the babyface treatment here. Maybe this is a North versus South thing, even though we're, you know, we're in Chicago, the boys are from somewhere in the South. You know, I don't get it. I'm Canadian. Uh, we didn't have a civil war, so I really don't understand if it's a North versus South thing. However, going on, Dem boys isolate Scorpio Sky and take control early, but, you know, of course, Sky escapes. He hits a Hurricane Rana, hits the hot tag to Kaz. Uh, who was actually in the WWE for a cup of coffee, if you remember. Side note, he was on Velocity for about a month, wrestled Paul London a couple times, and, you know, that was it. I remember him being in one of the early days of TNA, even being one of the first few X-Division champions and. It's impressive to still see him going as quick and as agile as he is. Back into it. I go on a lot of rabbit trails, by the way, so expect a whole bunch of that. Possibly undiagnosed ADD. Now, the SCU hit stereo cutters that floated over into Dragon Sleepers in an impressive spot. Um, this reminded me of, you know, the the dual submission, you know, the holding your hands with the Revival who, oh, I'm not, getting, I'm not getting into that. That's a rumor. It's just a rumor, an innuendo. F. Dave Meltzer. Um, you know, the dual submission spot where, you know, they're right beside each other. They're about to hold hands, about to tap out. It's kind of cute. I don't remember if they actually did it in that spot. I did rewatch this recently, but I forget everything. Uh, you get a rank, uh, rank. Ah, rake to Frankie's eyes by Mark and you know Dem boys are back in control there's some great back and forth with them there's a rock bottom backstabber combo that made my fused spine twitch you know we hit the we see the briscoes hit the J driller and then the froggy elbow drop but Scorpio Sky saves the day you see the doomsday device but in midair this I can't describe this spot because it was just so damn amazing. <clears throat> Kazarian is on Jay's shoulders, about to receive the Doomsday device because Chicago. But in midair, he grabs him. I thought he was going for the flux capacitor, which is a flipping rock bottom, which would be absolutely disgusting in that position. But it looked to, it looked like he went into a power slam, and he won, right there. Uh, STU wins this match, and I was still thinking flux capacitor, but given the position that he was in, I think that would have been impossible. Great match, solid opener, two just great tag teams. I've. I've never seen Scorpio Sky at this point, and I was just extremely impressed with him. Uh, and of course, the third member of 
of SCU is going to be in this show later on, Christopher Daniels. And I am very familiar with Christopher Daniels' work, I'll say that. Been watching him for a long time. Uh, yeah, two solid tag, tag teams. And I've been watching the Briscoes since, I think since they started, because I have a an old... ROH DVD, like the best of Paul London from 2003. He's in there and they don't look like <clears throat> like Duck Dynasty cast members in that. So moving on, we have the over budget battle royal in which the winner gets an ROH title shot and former champion Dalton Castle appears on commentary going to go on a quick break and when i come back we'll be talking about the zero hour battle royal stay tuned and we're back i apologize for the way i sounded for the first little bit i had just rolled out of bed i was still a bit congested and i was having my morning coffee going on <clears throat> we have the over budget battle royal and as I said, former ROH champion Dalton Castle, minus his boys, appears on commentary. And our participants include Billy Gunn, his son, Austin Gunn. And I thought, side note, I thought that this was like his work son, but legitimate, his son. Cool. Punishment Martinez, Moose, Rocky Romero, Tommy Dreamer, Bully Ray, Jordan Grace, the Hurricane, All Ego Ethan Page, <clears throat> Brian Brian Cage, Cheeseburger, Colt Cabana, Trent, Barret, Trent Barretta, Chucky e. T, Jimmy Jacobs, Marco Stunt, Brandon Cutler, and <clears throat> El Chico Luchador, <clears throat> Gordon. We, what an unusual bunch of names we have here. Right away, Bully Ray puts El Chico through a table, and because this is about a royal, I'm just going to show you a few, a few highlights from this unusual but fun hot mess of a match. Marco Stunt. Now, this was a wrestler I was introduced to at um, one of uh, Joey Janela's GCW shows. I think it was the one that took place at at WrestleMania. Um, Marco looks like he's about five feet tall, 120 pounds and 16 years old. And this guy bounces like Dolph Ziggler on the moon. He eliminates Moose, you know, cause he was posing on the apron and in battle Royals. Come on, dude. That's day one wrestling school stuff. Don't do that. <clears throat> and that tornado code breaker he did. Whoo. I'll ego Ethan Page being a total dick and even super kicking Jordan Grace right in the face. Awesome heel heat, and he gets extra points because he's from Ontario. Yes. Billy Gunn and his actual son Austin doing like synergy Billy Gunn stuff, you know, using his dad's hip, hip toss and the neck breaker and give him a good old crotch chop. Cease and desist guns. Come on. Jimmy Jacobs, the uh, 
zombie princess um, in a frilly pink dress, which is a funny visual because he looks like the lead singer of AFI. We see a testicular claw, a five-knuckle shuffle. He goes for a pedigree while mouthing, Hi, Hunter! Kisses Billy Gunn. Funny. I think Jimmy was in the WWE as a writer recently for a cup of coffee. Uh, so that just made it even funnier. We see a brief Rapungi Vice reunion with Trent Beretta and Rocky Romero. And then a brief Best Friends reunion with Trent Beretta and Chucky e. T. Hey, where's Kalen Croft? Why not the Dude Busters? Yeah, remember the Dude Busters? Yeah, if you don't, um, late area East WWE ECW. That's all you need to know. Then we see Rocky doing about eight running clotheslines from corner to corner to corner to corner. That stamina is just, whew, it's unreal. Speaking of unreal, we get Brian Cage and Punishment Martinez doing uh, her and Karana and head scissors to each other. For two dudes, that's impressive. You know, Punishment Martinez reminds me of a of a more talented Baron Corbin. And Brian Cage is just... If he's not on something, I'm shocked. I mean, that dude is jacked to the gills. He's massive. Uh, you know, the Hurricane chokeslams both of them, Martinez and Cage. Her powers, activate! And for once, he doesn't get thrown out of a battle royal for trying to chokeslam people. Triple H in Austin. You know, of course, the hometown hero, Colt Cabana, just getting all the simpy, all the babyface, all the comeback on that heat, um, you know, the pops. You see Tommy Dreamer's homage to Dusty, of course, wearing the polka dot polka dotted pants and doing the uh, the punch bionic elbow. And Bully Ray. Man, I did not appreciate much of his of his TNA run because aces and eights, but man, just everything about Bully Ray, just being a damn good heel, just being a total dick and not romantically involved with Brooke Hogan. Yeah, I said it. You know, Jordan Grace. I mean, my God. Not only is she she's stunning, gorgeous, but she's a powerhouse. You know, taking Brian Cage, you know, fire and carry, squatting with him, she takes a buckle bomb and then power bombs Brian Cage and eliminates him. Then she helps land the was up headbutt on Bully Ray. Total badass. I mean, I'm excited for her now that she's in Impact Wrestling. And I can't wait for her to get that women's title and just have a have a run with it. Have like a Bruno San Martino run with that. I mean, Tessa Blanchard, later in the show, we'll see her. I mean, if she was still champion, I mean that that right there, that's that's your contender. That's your challenger. And of course, as I kind of cough spoiled earlier, the surprise of El Chico Luchador unmasking and becoming Flip Gordon. He wins the Battle Royal and faces ROH champion Jay Lethal later in the show. Uh, now moving on to the main card. Justin Roberts! Hey! He is the ring announcer. He shows up to open the show. Someone sings the national anthem, and no offense because I'm Canadian, skip. 
Um, <clears throat> nice to see Justin Roberts here. And, you know, we know that he was in the WWE for a long time. Um, I think he's from Chicago. Correct me if I'm wrong. And it, it was amazing to see him here. I, I enjoyed him on the when he was on the main roster. He, ha he has a book out of which I've not read yet, but un unfortunately he's had, you know, bullying there. So it's cool to see him in his, in his element, in his comfy zone, comfort zone here. Next we have MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman is better than you versus Matt Cross. Uh, MJF is someone, another person I was introduced to through Joey Janela's events. You know, I, I watch them. I watched this one last year because PCO, you know, Quebecer Pierre, I think, the guy with the eye patch, Jean-Pierre Lafayette, was wrestling Walter. <clears throat> and then I see this preppy with a scarf thinking like, oh, here's Chris. This guy's inspired by Chris Jericho. So MJF is your preppy heel who at... Joey Janela's Lost in New Was it Lost in New York? Yeah, it was Joey Janela's Lost in New York. He got DDT'd by the lead singer of Wheatus. You know, Teenage Dirtbag. I'm not going to sing here again. I made that promise. And no, I'm not making this up. He was DDT'd by the lead singer of Wheatus, who is a giant wrestling fan. And now Matt Cross, the former M-Dog 20 and... 2011 tough enough contestant he's an indie veteran and way back in the day he appeared in the first backyard wrestling game for like xbox gamecube ps2 ron howard voice it sucked and mgf he uses referee todd sinclair as a distraction to you know heel work over cross's arm you know cross rallies back gets the baby gets the baby face come back he does this tumbling cartwheel plancha to the outside. Holy crap, I've only seen that in No Mercy. You know, MJF takes advantage, hits a disgusting package package shoulder breaker for the near fall. You know, MJF misses a moonsault and Cross hits a cutter and then a shooting star press. That's like my favorite finisher. I always mark out for a good shooting star press, except Billy Kidman. And that was a, a great win. And if I was maltering this, I haven't maltered any other one here. I'll give it 7 out of 10. I'm not using star rating because F. Dave Meltzer. Backstage, Sean Mooney. <laughs> oh, man, this is going to be a nostalgia fest, isn't it? Sean Mooney interviews NWA champion Nick Aldis doing... Typical heel stuff. Cody this. I'm the national treasure that... Whoa, 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 whoa. Did he just say national treasure? That's my gimmick. I am the American national treasure from Canada. What gives? Shout out to uh, the Kings of the Rings podcast for that one. Join their Patreon. This is just a nothing interview. You know, Nick Aldis is boring. I didn't see much of his TNA run. I think he was in TNA. Yeah, shows how much I know about, about indie wrestling. I vehemently apologize here. I wanted to talk about this because all elite wrestling is a thing, and I know most 
people on here, like these two, the fallen angel Christopher Daniels versus the green arrow himself, Stephen Amell. Now, Stephen Amell is no stranger to the ring, uh, this being his third match, you know, I think we all remember him and Neville battling Stardust and the Cosmic King Wade Barrett at, what is it, SummerSlam 2015. It would have been impressive if Green Arrow landed a Red Arrow, but <laughs> come on, that wasn't going to happen. And then a short-haired Jerry Lynn, now known as the new ref and show. <laughs> oh, I love Jerry Lynn. And we see John Mayer in the crowd, and unfortunately, he's not making banana pancakes. And right away, we see Daniels just spits his gum at a man at a mel. Lynn goes to pick it up. Well, that's not the grossest thing he's probably picked up. I mean, ECW. Enough said. Daniels continues to play an awesome cocky heel. I mean, I've been a fan of this guy since heck. Since he was in the light heavyweight title tournament in 97, when he had hair. Yeah, I even found him back then. And then we just see Daniels continue to be a total dick. Amel, you know, just taking down Amel, walking all over him, literally. Amel asks for a chop. Well, at least he didn't ask Walter. And then he returns the favor, because that's what you do. You trade chops back and forth. He can take it. He can dish it out. I mean, he's he's impressing me here. So ML takes down Daniel, lands a nice drop kick and an insiguri. Ooh. And then we see Mr. Green Arrow gets a table. Remembering what SCU and Flip Gordon did to him last year, hoping for some retribution. Daniel's hits. The worst moonsault ever, a.k.a. the Arabian moonsault to the outside. And he starts to get cocky. Amel goes for a crossroads, but Daniel gets out of it. We see the table is still at ringside. We see uh, him land, I mean Amel, Green Arrow. He hits coast to coast. You know, the Van Terminator. Sans chair. Daniels kicks out because Shane O'Mac didn't land it. Best moonsault ever. Barely connects, and Amel kicks out. And you see Daniel goes for the table. We, we see, I'm, I'm sorry. We see Amel put Daniels on the table. We see a flying elbow drop to the outside. And nope, Daniels moves. Amel crashes and burns. Back in the ring. He hits the BME again for the win. And in my words of my college, loom, college roommate John and my ex-girlfriend, I've seen better in terms of moonsaults. I'm sorry. Amel, an honorary member of the Bullet Club, you know, I think he did better than anyone in his position ever should have. Like, a celebrity wrestling, I mean, we've seen, what, LT and Bam Bam. That was crap. Uh, Mr. T and Roddy Piper in a boxing match that turned into a wrestling match. Crap. Um... Floyd Mayweather versus Big Show. Crap. Butterbean. Crap. Because, I think because Amel is such a big wrestling fan and he's good friends with Cody Rhodes, he gets to, you know, 
train a little bit, I guess. This is the best I've seen a celebrity in wrestling. Not a bad match. I wasn't a big fan of it. I know Daniels can hit better moonsaults, but looking back, because he wasn't hitting it on an actual worker, I understand why it looked like he barely grazed him a couple times. Daniels going over is possibly questionable that maybe it's the right move. Uh, there's a great show of respect at the end, sportsmanship. Mm, I'm not going to melter this. I'm not going to give this a rating. So we see Tennille Dashwood, formerly known as Emma and Emmalina, and Mandy Leone join the commentary team for the next match. I'm sorry, I'm not familiar with Mandy. We have Chelsea Green, the hot mess, girlfriend of Zack Ryder, versus Tessa Blanchard, versus Madison Rain, versus Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, wife of Adam Cole, baby. Now, this is a women's match that nobody is fast-forwarding. We see four of the best women on the indies in this match. We see the makeup smeared. We see the hot mess gig. Actually, I don't think I don't think we saw this in this match. I'm sorry. But I remember Chelsea Green. I remember her being the hot mess in, in TNA, you know, being left at the altar and makeup smeared all over her face, looking like she hasn't showered in a month. Um, Tessa Blanchard. I mean, if anyone should be in the quote-unquote four horsewomen of pro wrestling, it's got to be Tess. I mean, no offense to, say, Sasha Banks. Put her to the side and put Tessa in there. She's the daughter of a horsewoman, for God's sake. And holy crap, is she good. Dr. Britt Baker. Another, you know, worker I'm not overly familiar with, but she's a dental student and a wrestler. That can come in handy. And I hope she's not taking classes by Isaac, Isaac Yankum. However, I heard he's, uh, he's in politics now, so we don't need to worry about that. Madison Rain was an institution in Impact Wrestling. An undeniable Tessa Blanchard. The then-current Impact Women's Champion. She was accompanied by her dad, Tully Blanchard, and, whoa, Magnum T.A. Now, there's a throwback name from the 80s. There's somebody who could have been something, but unfortunately, a tragic accident cut his career short. Oh, man, what could have been? We see all four ladies go to shake hands, except Green, who seems to have a possessed hand or a dual personality or maybe she didn't wash her hands after wiping her arse and didn't want to uh, give out bacteria. Who knows? We see Tessa and Madison begin on the outside while Green and Baker trade pinfall attempts in the ring. Green does a taker-style type rope walk and spanks herself. <clears throat> Giggity. Then hits Rain. We see a Magnum codebreaker by Blanchard. And now I see why she calls that move Magnum. Uh, Green prays tribute to her man, Zach, by doing the broski boot. All with the woo, woo, woo. Uh, we see later on, later on in the match, all women, all four women trade their finishers. Blanchard with another Magnum. Although her finisher is a hammerlock DDT. Uh, Baker hits a super kick a la Adam Cole, baby. 
Unprettier by Green and Chance of Rain by Rain. Green and Green gains momentum by a can- hitting a Canadian destroyer on Tessa. That move will always pop me. Oh, man, Petey Williams. You know, and Tessa kicks out of the Canadian destroyer, hits a hammerlock DDT, and wins the match. Whoa. Damn. Incredible performance by four amazing women. Uh, I loved the tributes to their boyfriends, and even Tessa was doing some, you know, high flying stuff through the match for, for her for her ex Ricochet. Whew, damn. Okay, I'm rating this. That's an eight. That's an eight out of ten. And next, the long-awaited match, which could slash should have been the main event, the main attraction let's say, of this, was the NWA championship match between Nick Aldis and Cody Rhodes. And this felt like a big fight feel. It had a weigh-in beforehand. A weigh-in. That's like boxing. That's UFC. That's huge. I've only seen that on 205 Live when Buddy Murphy was a pound and a half too heavy for for the division. Dude, you're not supposed to weigh yourself in your boots. First thing in the morning, you drop a deuce, you weigh yourself naked. That's how you do it. <sighs> Basic, man. Give your balls a tug. Uh, so both wrestlers are accompanied by an entourage. Entourage. Cody comes out with, of course, his wife, Brandy, their dog, Pharaoh, Tommy Dreamer, for some reason, Glacier, and Diamond Dallas Page. Nick Aldis comes out with Jeff Jarrett, Sam Shaw, Tim Storm, and for some reason, Sean Devari. A veritable who's who and who is that in pro wrestling. And the crowd begins to buzz as the match graphic is shown. They, they know what's coming. They know something special is here. The bell rings and everyone is immediately on their feet. They know history is about to be made. Why this didn't close the show, I don't know. And then we see this match is officiated by the legendary Earl Hebner, who looks to be about 70. And he's not... I'm not making a Hebner joke here. Come on. Uh, he's, he's an icon. Yeah, he did some silly shit, but who cares? You know, we see right here Cody going for a jumping something to the outside, but he eats an elbow to the face. Hebner throws up the X symbol. Dude, already? It gets heat. Nobody buys it. I don't buy it. Because a dusty finish and some plunder, baby. That's a terrible dusty. I'm sorry. Dusty, if you're up there, don't put a curse on me for that, buddy. Uh, DDP goes to check on his friend and is attacked by Davari. And of course, what does he get? A diamond cutter. Feel the bang. The crowd even gets in a yoga chant. <laughs> yeah, DDP yoga. There's something for you to check out. I don't do it, but it has great results. So with Cody all bloodied up, or for a chance for him to go down blade, uh, Elvis zero in, zeroes 
in. My goodness, I can't do this. <laughs> and attacks him. Cody hits the snap power slam, a la Big Brother Goldust, um, which was called the shock treatment. And Goldust used as a finisher briefly after that um, incident where he got electrocuted and then he started to kind of uh, twitch. Uh, like he had Tourette's. Eh, tasteless. Moving on. Cody hits a moonsault. Aldous hits a top rope follow-away slam. Ouch. Cody locks in the figure four, and we're sent back to the 80s into a Dusty versus Flair match. Woo! Aldous gets out, hits a power slam to the outside, and Cody's adrenaline is, is pumping. He hits an Alabama slam, homage to his former tag team partner, Bob Holly, but his back gives out when trying to hit it. A second attempt is successful, but gets two count. With Cody... A bloody mess. He makes eye contact with his wife, Brandy, who begs him to stop. Like any married man, he ignores his wife's plea and continues on. Aldous lands a pile driver. Cody is out cold. He kicks out. Brandy comes in to check on her man, hovering over him. Nick Aldous is on the top rope. And he flying elbow drops Brandy Rhodes right in the back. Once again, making my fused spine twitch and tingle. Rhodes just, he sees red. He avenges his fallen wife. Disaster kick. Crossroads. Two count. And then we see Cody counter a sunset flip into a sit-down pin a la British Bulldog versus Bret Hart at SummerSlam 92. And he wins the NWA title. The American Nightmare, Cody, is the first second-generation champion in NWA history. And given the longevity and history of this title, that is staggering. With blood and tears streaming down his face, he is presented the title. Brandy embraces him. And the 11,000 plus fans, everyone's crying. They're crying. Millions at home crying. I possibly am. I actually got a tear in my eye now just thinking about it. The ovation for the title win is deafening. The match, the story, everything about this is a wrestling fan's dream brandy deserves all the praise for putting herself in harm's way and taking that elbow drop from a deceptively large man this moment is historic it's iconic and damn it it should have closed the show 9.75 out of 10 next how do you cool down a crowd that just bawled their eyes out why, a hardcore match, of course. A Chicago street fight between Chicago... Uh, a Chicago street fight between bad boy Joey Janela and Hangman Page. Now, before I go on here, these are two people I'm not overly familiar with. I saw a little bit of Joey Janela in his GCW things. A bit of Hangman Page at... Was it maybe Dominion or, Wrestle, or some Wrestle Kingdoms? So... I will apologize in advance.
Now we see the ever-looming story about the death, quote-unquote, of Joey Ryan on Being the Elite. Something I absolutely have to get into. This is the forefront of the story. This is the focus of this feud. Will Joey Ryan appear? Will he resurrect? Or will he rest in penis? These dick jokes are getting harder and harder. Um, we see Paige hit a rough-looking big boot and an, an amazing tope. Janela responds with a tope of his own. Paige hits a huge moonsault, a fallaway slam. And then in the best, best product placement of all time, Paige rolled an actual, an actual Cracker Barrel from the namesake's restaurant, Cracker Barrel. Great fried chicken. Uh, but found himself sent back first into it. Paige. Dude, get me some of that fried chicken again. Oh, man, that was good. Is sent into the crowd. Janela hits a somersault senton off of Donkey Kong's barrel onto Paige, who was about five rows back. And Janela rolls the barrel as to Donkey Kong Paige, but Paige presses A at the right time and jumps over. We see a table set up. High spots from the top rope are teased. But Janela hits a Death Valley bomb into the corner. Ouch. And then a ladder is set up you know, between the ring and the guardrail. And Paige hits Janela with a burning hammer off the apron into it. Oh, shit. Uh, shades of Kenta Kobashi there. And Chaz. And Tyler Rex. What? Nobody remembers Chaz using that move? Anyways, Paige brings out a garbage bag, seemingly to suffocate Joey, but Penelope Ford slaps and stunners Paige. Ooh. Not before using some backflips and a Trish Stratus Trish Stratus style matrix. Man, I can't say her name today. I've met you, Trish. Come on. Oh, and only then, and oh, and she only does a top rope crossbody to the outside after that. Man, the balls this woman has. She puts herself in harm's way too. Damn. Joey Janela hits a flying elbow through the table on the outside. A whole lot of plunder, baby. We see a super bomb off of the stage, you know, all a bully ray to bully ray to Mae Young. We see a ladder set in the ring and Paige in the most dangerous spot I've ever ever seen hits a rite of passage off of it through a table. Nobody died. Hangman Paige wins. Now the rite of passage is like a it's like a backwards seated tombstone. Uh who I think Kazarian used to use this move. I, I I can't describe it. Look up what it is, and imagine that going off of the top top rope through a table. It's almost as dangerous as a vertebraker. Suddenly, on the video screen, we see a close up of Joy Ryan's corpse, namely his crotch and his cock moves. You know, it's it's getting hard. What? 
the hell am I watching? We see a bunch of penis-shaped druids come out to reveal the undead Joey Ryan, the king of sleaze. Paige looks like he's seen a ghost. Or that Teddy Long booked him against the Undertaker. You know, Ryan hits his usual spots, his penis suplex, his super kick, and Paige is carried out crucifixion style by the penis druids. Chance of rest and penis rain down. This crowd pops huge, and I am bewildered. What the hell did I just see? You know, Joey Ryan, someone I'm vaguely familiar with, when um, TNA used to do their, oh, I, I forget what their what their their contest was, where they had like a different indie wrestler every week. Joey Ryan tried to get on several times. He egged on Al Snow, and I think they had a feud. I think they had a match. Um, you'll have to forgive me for forgetting what that is. Now, this is a car crash match with a surprise <laughs> surprise is an understatement at the end uh the spots were not too crazy except that finish holy shit don't ever try to do that again that was dangerous i mean at least when you're doing it in the ring you have the opponent has the opportunity to grab you know to grab the legs and and tuck in at you know like a regular pile driver <sighs> janella managed to barely protect himself there that's going to get an eight out of ten because why not next backstage jay lethal is handed macho man sunglasses Ooh yeah and someone gives someone this weird look he is slapped in the back in the madness is taking over. Ooh, yeah, the cream is rising to the top. Forgive me for my morning voice, not being able to land my Macho Man impression, which is about as good as my Vince McMahon impression. You're fired. The ROH Championship match between champion Jay Lethal and Flip Gordon is next. Flip Gordon comes out accompanied by Brandy. Whew. She just took an elbow drop to the spine and she's out here like a champ. And then, you know, pomp and circumstance. Do, 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 do. And Chicago flips their lid because they're getting black machismo. Ooh, yeah, dig it. Accompanied by Lanny the Genius Poffo brother of the late Macho Man, whom I met at Comic-Con in 2017. Uh, I completely nerded out because I was expecting not him. Uh, the NWO, um, was it X-Pac, Colin Nash were supposed to show up to that? They didn't. And the other wrestlers, like the Legends, I think it was Tito Santana and like the Honky Tonk Man or something were supposed to come, but not the day I went. So, walking past this table, I'm like, Lanny Poffo. I see the Frisbee. It's the genius. And he was cool with me nerding out pretty uh, pretty badly. I'm sorry, Lanny. Uh, and this popped. I love the Black Machismo gimmick. You know, I, I was a Macho Man guy when I was a kid. And 
to my knowledge, there was no build up to Lethal's persona change. You know, just like, you know, the demon's shock appearance at SummerSlam last year. It came out of nowhere. And I love when wrestling throws us a curveball. Jay Lethal comes out in Macho Man's WCW debut attire from like, was it 95? He is billed from and legitimately from Elizabeth, New Jersey. And it was fate that Jay Lethal impersonates, impersonates his childhood icon. And perfect irony, he's from Elizabeth, New Jersey. Lethal does Savage's voice, mannerisms, and facials perfectly. Better than I am in this podcast. And I bet you've turned it off already because of my bad impersonations. If you've gone this far, props to you. Maybe I'll have you on my show. Uh, Flip takes control of them of the match before Lethal hits three Hail to the King elbow drops. Flip starts to flip out or warrior up or don't make me say it. Don't make me say it. <coughs> Hulks up. You know, the finger point, the U, the three punches, the big boot, a Pele kick. Wrestling is weird. Speaking of weird, Brandy checks on a fallen flip Gordon. Lethal carries her around the shoulder. Elizabeth style. Not amused. Brandy chops him. And we're back to normal boring Jay Lethal. Boo. I'm going to get this crap over with now. I I I loved Black Machismo, but now we saw normal Jay Lethal. It's like, eh, you're good, but you're boring. We see a top rope cutter, a lethal injection, and he retains. The effort was there. There were some great high spots. And when Machismo died, so did the crowd. At least I think. Maybe they didn't. If you were there alive, let me know. We saw two incredible workers that were, I'm not going to call this a nostalgia match, but it might have been. We see Bully Ray jump Jay Lethal, Poffo, and Flip. Uh, he tries to set up a table, but is thwarted by hometown hero Colt Cabana. And these three guys do a shield triple powerbomb through said table. That actually got some booze, but polite applause when Colt Cabana posed. I'll give this match maybe a seven, seven and a half. I like, I like both of these workers. You know, I haven't seen much Flip Gordon, but from what I from what I have seen, incredibly impressive. I loved the appearance of Black Machismo. I loved uh, Lanny Poffo was there. Um, Throwing out the fris the uh, the classic genius frisbees. Hey, I want one of those, man. <laughs> and the dual personality thing. It, it was it was kind of funny, but I would have rather had Machismo kind of do the whole thing, the whole match. Now next, we have Kenny Omega versus Pentagon Junior. <laughs> oh, I've been waiting for this. These are two of my personal favorites on the indies. You know, I've been watching Kenny Omega for a couple of years now. 
I don't have access to much New Japan. I mean, I, I'll watch Wrestle Kingdom. I'll watch Dominion. I'll watch their uh, co-branded show on WrestleMania weekend. But I don't have New Japan World because, well, frankly, I can't afford it. So Omega's been someone I've been watching, you know, since, yeah, I'd say, I'd say a couple of years now. I mean, his match with Chris Jericho, his his feud with uh, Kashikido Okada, his his reign as he was the was it United States IGWG I, New Japan either United States or Intercontinental Champion I forget which one then he was the heavyweight champion for a while and now potentially in a career crossroads because his New Japan contract is set to expire in about 2 weeks I see him going to all elite it would be cool to see him in WWE but with his friends preferably I wish him the best. And El Pentagon Jr. At this point in September, I had just gotten back into Impact. I, mean, I watched, um, what was it, that year? Slammiversary. He had a hair versus mask match against uh, Sammy Callahan. And oh, damn, was that vicious. That was yikes. So these two, great workers. I'm ready for it. I think Pentagon was in Lucha Underground. Yeah, yeah, he was in Lucha. I've been watching him since then. Moving on. We just see all these crazy spots. Pentagon hits Omega with a nasty power slam on the floor. And it looked like the back of Omega's head smacked it hard. Smacked the floor hard. Ow. Omega hits several chops. A tornado DDT. Penta counters a V-trigger. But Omega counters Penta's counter into a dragon suplex. What a mouthful. What a tongue twister. You know, we see Penta propped up in the corner. Omega hits the V-trigger. A superplex attempt is tortured by a double foot stomp. Pentagon kicks out of another V-trigger and does his Mi Mierdo Cero taunt. Powerbomb. Another V-trigger couldn't put the luchador away hmm pentagon driver near fall huge pop oh arm breaker <laughs> package pile driver on the apron the hardest part of the ring by the way omega's out cold puts omega back in the ring hits another double diving double foot stomp and omega kicks out at like 2.999999 Omega hits his second or 12th wind, V-Trigger, Poison Rana, One Wing Angel, victory. Now, this wasn't spot by spot. This was everything that I've written down, but holy shit, was this match awesome. Oh, it wasn't over. The lights go out. We see Pentagon still in the ring. He gets up and starts wailing on Omega. Hang on. I know those tattoos. Chicago seems to know who this is. I actually did, too. Chance of holy shit and Y2J rain down. Omega's up. Codebreaker. Everyone loses their mind. Mask comes off. Chris Jericho. Another codebreaker. And that, that'll, that'll end it. 9 out of 10 match. Solid between the two workers, between Pentagon and Omega. 
It delivered all the drama, all the action, had us wanting more and more. The shock of Chris Jericho made it all the sweeter. And next up is whoop whoop the villain Marty Squirrel versus Kashikito Okada. Forgive me for mispronouncing his name, if I have. And in my blog, I'm looking at my blog here for my notes, and I see him use uh, his um. We see Marty Squirrel with his umbrella. Okada used Rainmaker. It wasn't very effective. Come on, dude. Against water type. I think you got to use what? Mm, plant? Rock? I forget. I didn't play a lot of Pokemon until now. Uh, Marty is just the master of joint manipulation and those gross-looking finger-breaking spots. I see Pete Dunn has been taking notes. The squirrel immediately tar targets the elbow of Okada to um, quell the Rainmaker, seemingly. However, Okada hits a DDT to the floor, and the villain is left clutching his head. Party Marty fight, fights through it, hits a brain buster, tried for a powerbomb, but was countered into a neckbreaker from Okada. After several near falls, we see a corner dropkick by Okada. Pop the crowd. Skrull attempts a tombstone, but is reversed into one by Okada for a two count. Skrull grabs the fingers of Okada, who taunted him, shouting 205 live, resulting in the villain snapping the fingers of Okada and applying the chicken wing. Ooh. After nearly tapping out, ref bump, because of course. Skrull produces an umbrella, and when Okada attempts a rainmaker, Skrull opens it too because he is also a water type. Hilarious visual. You know, we see the villain wallop Okada with the umbrella and presses presses A and B in no mercy to steal his opponent's finisher and hits a Rainmaker. He spits in the face of Okada, but as a result, Okada gives him two Rainmakers and wins. These are two proficient technical wrestlers honing their craft with great chemistry. 8.5 out of 10. And now this is the last match of the show. It was pressed for time. It was seemingly rushed, but still somewhat delivered. The quote-unquote main event, with the golden elite of Kota Ibushi and the Young Bucks versus Rey Mysterio, Phoenix, and Bandito. Of course, I am a long-time fan of Rey Mysterio, Phoenix, and Bandito I had just begotten familiar with. This match seemed rushed. With only 10-15 minutes to spare, these high flyers go all in. Yeah, sorry, I couldn't resist that joke. See, dives, high spots, and more. Oh my! Mysterio hits a 619 to Matt Jackson. Phoenix hits a destroyer, and Bandito finished the three amigos with a her and Kanrana. The three amigos, which I mean these three moves. Uh, a frog splash by Ray fills the arena with Eddie Chance. The referee is overheard saying, Go home! And we see more bang for your buck and a Meltzer driver for the win. Short and sweet, but given the time but given the time constraints, it was fun. Um, I don't know where they would have cut time for this for this match. I mean, if they cut any minutes off of the NWA title match, people would have been pissed. Um, 
this main event was lackluster despite the talent that was in it. I'm not going to give it that high of a rating, to be honest with you. Maybe maybe a 6.5 to 7 out of 10. It'd be higher if there was more time because these six wrestlers are phenomenal. They're great. Um, like this... Yeah, I'm 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 not gonna go on here. It, it was kind of disappointing. It was it was all right. Great talent could have been better. The Bucks are top guys. Don't get me wrong, but the NWA title match should have closed the show. Maybe they had the foresight that time wouldn't be on their side for the main event, and maybe the Bucks decided to take one for the boys. If that was the case, I'll throw in an extra point for nobility. Um. Yeah, so this this was all in. I I had to refresh my memory by recently rewatching a good chunk of it. It was still phenomenal. It was a solid card. It was probably one of the best WWE non WWE NXT events of the year. This build, their promotion of it, all of it was nearly perfect. Every match delivered what it was supposed to. And the bips and bops of nostalgia made this a very special night. And now that All Elite Wrestling is a thing, um, we see there's a Double or Nothing event in Vegas this year. Um, there's something in Jacksonville later in the year. Maybe that's All In too. Man, if they come, if they do something in Toronto, I'm finding my way there. <laughs> I don't have a car. Uh, the buses don't come through my town. I'm going to try my damnedest to get there. So that is my review of All In. Uh, thank you if you've lasted this long. I'm still new at this podcasting thing. And if you have any constructive criticism, hey, let me know. Give me a shout out. Tweet me at the legendary JF. Um, you can find me in the Rant with Ant Patreon chat, the Kings of the Rings Patreon chat, or just anywhere on, on the social media there. So Thank you for tuning in. Like, share, subscribe. Give me a two-star rating because I'm not a five-star podcast. Um, stay tuned because on Monday, I'm going to be on the Game Changer podcast with Nate the and Great. We're doing Royal Rumble 99. Uh, check out Real Honesty with John Ritland. Check out his review of it. He'll be a little bit more rant-heavy than, than, than I can be. Um, Coming up soon, I'm going to be getting into my um, was it my, my invasion angle? I haven't forgotten about that. I'm going to be getting into you know rebooking the invasion or at least the start of it. Uh, Royal Rumble and NXT Phoenix are coming up, so expect a review for that. Uh, and then I'm going to have a couple of maybe one retro rumble. I'm working on it on my blog. I'm going to try and put it put it in podcast form as well of Royal Rumble 2000. Um, can expect maybe St. Valentine's Day Massacre review coming up, um, Backlash Retro Reviews, Owen Hart Tribute, King of the Ring 99 Review Rebook. That's that's my plan for the first first half of this year because I think I deleted my, um, my intro podcast episode because I'm a total idiot. Anyways, thank you and God bless.